0: Welcome to Maximizing Life in the Middle, a podcast featuring two people consciously living and loving as husband and wife, parents, and individuals working to make the most out of their lives. I'm Jay Taylor.
1: And I am Aaron Taylor. And we are so happy that you are spending some time with us today. episode 27 and today when we are recording this it is March 8th which is our daughter Sydney's 17th birthday and the 17th year we have not been able to celebrate it with her except in a uh, metaphorical sort of a way I guess. She is our daughter who died of a heart defect when she was 24 days old. And pretty much, I would say, changed our lives.
0: Yeah, that's one way of saying it, I'm sure. Um, So we spent 12 years. Mm -hmm. So for 12 years, we ran a foundation, um, which I guess you know it's funny it's like uh if we if we you can certainly segment your life mm-hmm. in kind of very interesting ways um you know there was our we met in college there were our college years together, whatever they're just sort of like everybody's college years, i guess and you know and then there was our life before Sydney mm-hmm you know, I kind of have, you know, I'm, I'm, my my memory isn't the best for experiences and all that kind of stuff. But you kind of have just sort of like a, we're kind of in our early 20s. We were sort of doing our jobs, working, building theoretical careers. So, I, you know, maybe mine a little bit more career building oriented than yours was, I think, at that point. But, um, you know, just well, sort of. I wouldn't. Not that you weren't building your career, but the work that you were doing wasn't necessarily... The work that you were doing at that time wasn't necessarily building towards something that you were going to... Right, I was an employee of a company. Right.
1: Yes. That That I loved, but yeah. Right,
0: but that work that you did then doesn't necessarily connect point to point to what you do now. Whereas mine still... Indirectly, but yes. Right, mine still connects point to point. Yes. Right. And then... You know, after some time struggling to sort of become pregnant, we got lucky enough and had Sydney. And then, you know, the fateful time when we found out that she had her heart defect and then going through that process. And then she was born, suffered apnea, wasn't able to have the surgeries that she needed to correct her heart defect and died. And that kicked off a whole nother period
1: Mm mm-hmm yeah it sure did
0: and through that period we ran our foundation and you know did that good work but also had other kids
1: built our family
0: built our family up and then we hit the point five years ago just about five years ago where we made the decision and at the time, kind of a, a difficult one, one that we struggled to to sort of rationalize or understand in our own minds, to let that effort go and focus on, you know, at the time, the focus on the kids who are here. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is almost the beginning of the life that is the subject of this podcast.
1: Mm, that's interesting. And in a way, I agree with you. And in a way, um, well, yeah, I, I guess I 100% agree with you because I at first was thinking I don't agree with you necessarily, but I, I actually do because when we were running the foundation and having our kids... When our son was born that first year and we had the big golf tournament fundraiser and he was a baby. Your mom and my mom and my dad um, were here to take care of him. So all the hours I needed to put in to get everything done those last two weeks they were playing with him, putting him to bed, feeding him, hanging out with him, whatever, walking around the block whatever needed to be done they were there to help.
0: Right.
1: And then the next year same thing and then my mom died and then we had your mom and my dad but then Faith came along and so then we had two kids and it was a little more challenging and then my dad, well my dad was still alive when Brady was born but not highly functional uh, because he ended up dying of vascular dementia which is kind of like Alzheimer's so he was not very functional at the end but It was very hard to have a declining parent and three little kids and run a foundation and work part time and be a mom and everything and everything and everything. And so the idea of maximizing life in the middle, I felt like our lives were, or at least my life was maxed out and not in a good way because it was extremely stressful.
0: And we weren't in the middle. Like, it's interesting that, so it's five years ago. Well, when
1: he was born, I was 35, so I guess that's a little prior to middle age. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I think that uh, numerical definitions, you know, certainly change over time, but, you know, 40, you know, 40 is the new 30, 60 is the new 40, whatever they yeah. say, all this crazy but That's like the theoretical f- yeah.
1: middle age. But
0: 40 is middle age. Or your 40s. Your 40s. 40s, sure. And five years ago, we were 40.
1: Oh, so we stopped it right about when?
0: We stopped it literally. Right at midlife. Almost at the quote point of Quote unquote which, midlife. Yeah, your quote unquote midlife. We stopped doing that.
1: I never made that connection. Huh.
0: And further, you, partially because you're. I remember you, you uh, a a story that you talk about or that you describe, or a, I don't want to say a story that you tell, because then it implies that it's not real. But like we build our own narratives about ourselves. One of the things that you talk about a lot is the idea that at one point you thought about as soon as the kids got older and they were kind of in school full time and you had time to to sort of now devote to yourself, at that point you were going to really focus on the foundation.
1: Well, In the early with, years of it, yes.
0: With time that didn't really exist for you before. And as you got to that moment, you suddenly realized... That's not what you wanted to do. And that what you wanted to do was what you do now. Right. Was parent coaching, was helping make the world a better place, was, you know, trying to see about how you can work to improve things for kids. Right. All those kinds of things, which are very different from the kind of activities that are required to run a charitable foundation, which also Did good stuff improve the world and help the lives of kids living with heart defects and all those kinds of things. But it's just very, very different stuff. Yes. And and it's not
1: the best use of my talents and my strengths and things like that. And also, um, I just wanted to stick in here a little plug for, um, you know, the good that we did through the foundation. We have... We have a bunch of kids that we supported through Heart Kids, who we supported through college. Uh, One of them is married, and building her life with her new husband. Married, right? I think only one that I can think of off the top of my head. A couple of them are
0: Gabriel and Catherine.
1: Oh yeah, so yeah. At least two. So two of them are married. I forgot about yeah, and then one of them just had a baby. She's the oldest HLHS survivor to ever have a baby. So that's like a huge thing because kids with Sydney's heart defect, it wasn't even, well, for years ago, they didn't even live long enough to have a baby, but then whether their heart was strong enough to have a baby was, was in question. And so this young woman um, defied the odds yet again and had a baby, which is really, really cool. And so um, it's been really fun to be connected to these, these heart kids, as we call them. Uh, one of them is a lawyer, like all different kinds of things, teacher. So it's been really fun to be connected to them and watch them grow and become adults and build their own lives. And it's such a privilege.
0: One we went to West Point.
1: Yes, one went to West Point. So. And we've only lost one of them. In in all the years. I mean, it's been 17 years since we started the foundation and started helping kids. And only one of them has died from her heart defect.
0: Right. So, So in many respects, the way that we look at things, we had the time that we were doing all that work. And then when we made the difficult decision that we were going to not do the foundation anymore, the focus became additional activities that filled in the margins. For you, it was your work as a parent coach and the businesses that you started in that regard. And for me, in and around that same time that that foundation work sort of came to an end was when I started the serious work of uh, becoming a comic book artist and becoming a self-publisher of comics and all the things that that entails so really there was you know those other time frames and then there was the time of um, I'll say the time of Sydney's legacy her direct legacy maybe and then now after we decided to, you know, we would never have done this podcast. This podcast would never have been a part of what we did if... Uh, somebody needs to come in.
1: Yeah, our pup.
0: Our yeah. assistant. Puppy? Our podcast
1: assistant. He's not looking much
0: like a puppy right now. He's looking like a pretty old man.
1: Yeah, he's limping around with a bad leg.
0: Anyway. So, and then, as this podcast never would have occurred if we were still very much involved in... The quote-unquote direct legacy of Sydney, so that when that that time ended, that's when we really entered this phase of life in the middle and the efforts to maximize it and to stuff it full of
1: yeah, I never thought of that all that's these really various things,
0: um, you know, so. And we have, you know, various things that we still do in honor of her memory. Like today, we will, all of our family members will come to our house and we will release balloons in honor of her birthday. And then, uh, you know, April 1st of this year, we'll have uh, a little bit more (laughs) somber a. Uh, day in some regards, and that's the day that she died. And but
1: oddly enough, April first this year is Easter, so that's interesting. Ah, uh, right. So, so it won't be so somber. Right. And you know, I remember years and years ago, early after she died, we said, "We'll never do anything on her birthday. We'll never do anything on the day she died." And so instead of like doing normal life stuff, so instead we would. There were many years early on that those two days. Happened to be oddly warm, unseasonably warm for early late winter, not quite spring, and or early spring, April. But so we would spend time gardening, even if it was freezing cold, we'd be out there pulling weeds or
0: working just, on the renewal of life. You know? Yeah,
1: and it always I remember what a great sense of comfort it brought me to be digging in the dirt and looking at the green little shoots popping through and reminding me that there is hope and no matter how dark days can be or how depressing or how hard times in life can be you can always come out of them and just like the the little shoots popping through the ground you can always you can always survive them and so that's how we spent our times but i remember i remember the year that that changed and that I said, we can actually start being just living our life and not putting them on hold for those two days. And it was, it was actually, eleven years ago when our friend was it April first. Yep, it was when our friends were having their first child, and her family had scheduled her baby shower for that day. And when I got the invitation, I immediately thought, Oh my gosh, I can't go, it's April first. But then I thought longer about it and said, It wouldn't be right for me not to go because there are friends. So then I thought, okay, well and when I told you I was going, I remember you saying, You're actually gonna go? And I said, Yeah, I'll make an exception because there are friends. I, I'll do norm, quote unquote normal life stuff today because or on this year because there are friends. And then once I kind of broke the seal on that, then... And then the kids got older. And then who's got a baseball game yeah. that day? And who's got practice? And who can't miss school? Because then if they miss school, they're going to have, have to miss whatever's going on at night. Yada, yada, yada. So that was like the beginning of the end of kind of insulating ourselves against the world.
0: Quote, I mean, unquote.
1: But it, it wasn't even it. really necessary anymore. So now we just live our lives. And... We remember her today, we remember her any day of the year, whatever. I mean, her to me, her birthday and her the day she died are no different than any other day. But it's also kind of how I feel about like Faith and I were talking about birthdays the other day. And she said she said something about her birthday. Her said, oh my, my up. gosh, that's right cuz her birthday's in 2 weeks. And she said, "Mommy, did you forget my birthday's coming up?" And I said, well, like I forget and I remember, like I continuously forget and remember, like I didn't forget, but I forget for a little while and I go, oh yeah, that's right. And I didn't tell her this, but like, oh yeah, that's right. I have to get her some birthday presents. (laughs) But she said, I never forget. There's a day that goes by that I don't remember. It's my birthday's coming up. And then I said, but Faith, you know, and we've had this conversation before. I really think every day is a birthday. You don't have to wait 364 days to celebrate the fact that you were born. You should wake up every day and celebrate that. Oh my gosh, I have this incredible life that I get to do something with. How amazing is that? That I'm so fortunate to open my eyes in the morning. And I know that older people always say that. When you see older people, you say, hey, how are you today? Uh Oh, I'm awake, so that's a good thing. Maybe I'm starting to understand why they say that, but... (laughs) Oh, but every day is a reason to celebrate every day so yes sydney was born today but you know what i can celebrate her birth her life tomorrow or next month or six months from now and so um i don't feel like we're we need to be as insulated anymore and we just do our normal thing and this year is a new twist. This is something that hasn't happened in 17 years of her birthdays. All the kids are home oh, for a snow day. right.
0: It's a snow day.
1: So this is very unusual. We've actually never had a snow day on her birthday. So- and it's,
0: it's it's not like a little dusting. Those who, who would hear this podcast and live in our area, it, you know, there's a solid... Eight inches of heavy oh. wet snow yeah. outside right now. That
1: because of yesterday's storm.
0: Yesterday's storm kind of like
1: was surprisingly severe. Yeah, and it, the reason they're home today is because the roads are fine; they're dry actually, right. and it's warming up and melting. But this heavy snow yesterday knocked down, down a lot of all trees, all over the place. broke down out. power lines, so the crews are out working around the clock. But that's why the kids couldn't go to school because some roads are still closed. Right. So anyway. We're all home today, and it's totally a normal day. Later on, we're going to have to run to the store and get some ingredients to make dinner for all of our family who will come, and then we'll have to get balloons that we, each year we get balloons, like you said, and we attach a little uh, index card to the balloon, and every family member who's here writes a little letter to Sydney, and then we send them up into the air. And I've saved copies of most of the things that people have written to her and about her over the years. And they're so sweet and touching. And it's kind of cool because all the cousins... uh, You know, whoever's free, the cousins come over. And actually, none of the cousins ever met her. None of the cousins ever met her. Because most of them...
0: Was either not born or so young.
1: And when she was in the hospital... Couldn't you couldn't bring kids into the into the room. All you could do is lift them up so they could peek through the little the glass window on the door of the CCU. So they could peek through and see like the bed that she laid in, but they never actually got to meet her. But yet they still come over here every day every year and remember her and celebrate her life. And it's it's really kind of cool. So that's interesting. But I had a question for you we didn't Uh-oh. discuss this prior to oh, no. our podcast this morning but I didn't even have the question until you said it okay. so it spurred, spurred it on for me so you were talking about the foundation being like a direct legacy from her life right? Mm. right because we helped people in her name
0: Yeah.
1: what would you say is the indirect legacy of her life for you?
0: Hmm. Yeah, I wish you had asked me that before so I could have formulated instead of tap dancing around.
1: Do you want me to answer it for me while you, you think about it? You probably
0: should, since obviously it's a question you thought of and we don't the audience doesn't want to hear me just Thinking. Tap dance while I try and formulate <laughs> what I want to say. So
1: Well I didn't think of it until we were until you said the foundation was an indir- or direct legacy. But you
0: thought about it and thus you've been thinking about it, so What is your thoughts? I think
1: about that kind of stuff all the time.
0: Sure. What are your thoughts?
1: The indirect legacy of her for me is... You know, you just talked about breaking your life into chunks. And for me, really, I think, really, my life, the the most basic and big chunk that I break my life into is before and after Sydney. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Because Sydney... Sydney turned me into a mom. And, you know, I remember after she died, I remember having to go through that. And I've I've talked with bereaved mothers Mm -hmm. many times subsequently who have to go through the same thing, especially if it's their first child. Are you still a mom if your child died? Are you still a dad? And so, you know, I remember going through that, you know, that uh, questioning and saying, well, yeah, I am. So I would I would say, like, I'm not, a, I'm not currently a practicing mom. You know, like, I'm not <laughs> I'm a practicing, practicing Catholic. I'm not yeah. a practicing mom. But I still was a mom.
0: You're an agnostic mom.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I didn't have the rituals, the daily mom rituals of changing diapers and whatever, right. blah, blah, blah. But I would say I had a far more difficult role of a mom than... A practicing mom because I had to figure point. out yeah I had to figure out how you can be a mom when you when your child isn't with you and that is like a, <laughs> I'm sure everybody be crying when they're listening to this podcast but that's a, a challenge of superhuman level I would say and so um, yeah so I finally worked my way through that question and came up with an answer that I could live with and then we were blessed with Noah and then Faith and Sydney and. Um,
0: Faith and Sydney or Faith and Brady? I mean, Brady. Faith and Brady. <laughs> Poor Gosh, Brady.
1: They're all getting lumped in together. Yes, Faith and Brady. So we have our three uh, heart healthy kids because you know, as soon as we knew they were coming, we were right in the cardiologist's office going, check him out, check her out. We got to make sure. So they were checked before and after birth. Clean bill of health, everything is good, and all is well. So, thank God for that. But so my life really is, at the most basic <coughs> level, it it really is just before Sydney and after Sydney, and um, I I, I know that before when I was a kid, when I was a teenager I was a spiritual person and I remember as a teenager a young adult just going outside and smelling the like a, the, the the fresh dirt on a spring day and seeing the trees bloom and appreciating a sunset and like I had a deep appreciation always for that kind of nature stuff and all that kind of thing but I think that her arrival in our life really um, set me on a spiritual path even deeper than than whatever I experienced before she was born and so my understanding of life and the world and how things work and why things happen and what it all really means and what's the bigger picture and stuff like that I feel like I have such a different understanding of this existence, this human experience than I ever would have had if she never came to us. And so I think that's the biggest overall thing for me um, that her coming into our lives did for me. And I remember one of our friends said, One of our friends who came to visit her at the hospital for the 23 days she was there said to me afterwards, wow, I I feel like I was in the presence of an angel. When I was standing next to her, she didn't even feel human to me. She felt like an angel. And I think I've always felt like that about her. She was different than just a quote-unquote regular human. And I don't think it's just because she was here a short time. But you know people will say oh my gosh you know they find out that she died oh, i'm so sorry i'm so sad i'm so sorry oh my gosh how did you do it how did you survive and when you're in that situation you don't have much of a choice <laughs> but to survive right. i mean it's not like you go oh yeah i'm just going to survive the only other choice is to end your own life and that's not going to solve anything so you really don't even have a choice so for for people to say Oh my gosh, you're so strong. Well, you actually don't really have much of another choice. But, you wanted to interject?
0: I do, but I want you to be able to finish your...
1: Yeah, so, um, I don't know if I'll remember where I was going with that. But, just...
0: uh, Her enduring legacy.
1: Yeah, I think it's just... Her arrival in our lives gave me such a deeper understanding of the human experience and my life and her life. And when people come to me now with struggles and challenges and hardships and suffering, I see it from a different level than most other people see it because because (coughs) she was here. <clears throat> because of her arrival in my life. And I try to help other people. I try to help other people reduce their suffering through my understanding. And sometimes they can understand it on the level I'm trying to explain it, and sometimes they can't. And I think it's hard to put for people to put themselves in my shoes because they didn't have my experience. They just look at the fact that we had a child who died, and they say, oh my gosh, I don't know how you did it. And it's fine because they don't because they weren't in it. But if they were in it, they'd figure it out too.
0: Yeah, so that's maybe that's part of what I was going to say after thinking about it as you were talking. <clears throat> and I have another interesting little tiny small legacy thing, but that's maybe just something we'll touch on at the very end. But the idea of the legacy for me is certainly that um, kind of tied in somehow with what you were saying there at the end in terms of the other day I uh, had some friends over who were artists and we were just sort of talking about positivity and the, you know, sort of the the way that uh, there, there's <laughs> uh, there was a, a video that we all uh, saw that was almost like about the backlash against positivity or a a backlash against positivity. And it was a woman who was doing a Ted talk and her, her, it it was unfair because it was a snippet out of her Ted talk. So it lacked the context. But what I took away from it after watching it was basically that she was advocating or, or that she was really trying to, Um, be reductive to the idea of positivity and saying yes what we're doing there is we're not allowing people to properly experience their full emotional spectrum and what I basically said was oh so she's like oh why don't we wallow in (laughs) the negative thoughts and the all that stuff and so we had this long and interesting conversation. Oh, you should
1: have called me in. I would have had so much to contribute. We there.
0: we did. We, uh, but um, or we I did say that. But the point that I came back to was in talking with these friends, and they're very you know they're they're very open minded. They're very willing to engage in discussions, but they come from very different places in their respective lives and in their outlook on things. But for me what the enduring legacy is an enduring legacy of having uh, having of wanting and very much embracing the idea of staying positive because in many respects you know you talk about how oh i can't believe how would you make it through that was how i made it through the way i made it through was to dwell that doesn't sound right (laughs) to dwell on the positive right but to was to embrace
1: Hold on to it like a life Hold on to
0: positivity. Hold on to the sun also rises and that, you know, sunny days are coming down the road, even if right now it's raining and that, yes, there's, you know, there's still good things that are going to happen. And when our son was born, right, that was, you know, a great thing. And I remember even more than his birth, like his first birthday was like a mental milestone in my own head (laughs) of like, all right. We got him to one years old. Yes.
1: Blue ribbon time. Yeah.
0: Like there's a step. Um, but, and,
1: and it's kind of twisted humor. I'm sure people will appreciate that. It's a little bit twisted that yeah, you can like, laugh about that, but right. it is true.
0: And, and, you know, like when people talk to me about, they want to, you know, Oh, this happened and, you know, Oh, well, what about, you know, this and that and the other. And, I just kind of come back to well i don't know i'm gonna play the this is talk about twisted humor i've said this to people i'm gonna play the dead kid trump card oh boy <laughs> which you know again really like maybe a sick mind but basically like well okay so you've got this bad thing that happened in, or that's going on that's kind of got you down or got you you know unhappy but Uh, You know, I got that going on in the background of me, but yet I'm still sitting here trying to look at things and take the very positive viewpoint of them. So that's, you know, and is that a great way to treat it? I don't know, but it's the way I treat it. It's the way I think about it. It's how I, um, because, you know, the alternative is to descend into The potential for martyrdom or, oh, what was me or, oh, I could be so... You know, I mean, that doesn't help anyone. That doesn't...
1: Doesn't help you.
0: Doesn't help me. It doesn't help her, right? It doesn't... It doesn't... It's not of lasting value, right? There there are people who we know and who we've met who lost themselves in that grief. Mm -hmm. And their journey was their journey, but that's what... That's what we sort of took away from the people who got, who fell into that. And then that became their defining thing. identity. Right. We went to a, a, we went to a. A A grief
1: support group.
0: We went to a grief support group, but then we also did, we went to like a national compassionate friends conference in that first year, if you remember. Mm
1: -hmm. Mm-hmm. And
0: while those people were really understanding and... it's and, a know,
1: fabulous... I've referred many people, yeah. sadly, to that organization. But... You didn't feel... I remember you saying you didn't feel like you totally belonged there.
0: There were people we met there who, for me, seemed like this happened to them.
1: It was their defining moment.
0: And then... it, it It's a defining moment for everyone, I think. But they got trapped there and they got stuck in amber like a fly in amber well and
1: i i, I don't want to i know want are disparage you're going. them no but some people have a defining moment whether they lose their child or whether they
0: uh, lose a limb
1: or uh, uh, you know lose a loved one to gun violence or something and it, it is a defining moment for them and it becomes they become a crusader because they're trying to do something to either help people who experience the same thing or change something so that other people don't have to experience it, whatever like that. So there are people who use that as a defining moment and and try to affect positive change out of that experience. And there are people who don't. And And I think it's interesting that you said some people, this happens and they lose themselves. And I would say... Sydney's death helped me to find myself. I don't think I was lost, but it it definitely helped me to find the core of who I am.
0: And I'm, I'm going to agree, too, that she did the same thing for me, though I think for me, for you, it was very much this idea of, I'm a mom, and even though she's not here, it's still, you know, I'm still a mom no matter what. For me, it was much later on, and it was much more the idea of, You know, it's an old saw of somebody like, you know, using somebody else who died at some unfortunate or too early time frame to galvanize them to do what they really wanted or what they loved and put aside the silliness of, you know, the trappings of a material life and the, the, oh God, I gotta do this and I gotta do that that. You know, and so the, it took certainly a long time. In that regard, but certainly one of the things that when we made this decision five years ago, and that you were gonna do that thing, and at the same time, I kind of embraced this idea of okay, I'm gonna pursue this comic book thing, and whatever role it takes, and however it goes. Certainly, an element of that, I, w- I wouldn't have done that. I hadn't done it at 22 or 25 or 27 or 30 or any of those ages before that, right? All all the way up leading up through that period of time until we got to that point. And I said, you know what? Why wouldn't I not in the, in the absence of this other thing that we were doing that was like our, you know, there's always been volleyball in my life. There's always been my work in my life and then our family. But then like, you know, the other big thing, the extracurricular that was there was the foundation foundation and the golf tournament, the casino nights and, Mm -hmm. One event ended and you had to immediately start thinking mm-hmm. about what oh, was yeah. the next event on the horizon. And when that to be
1: done, yeah.
0: And we said, okay, it served its purpose and it's time. Well, what should fill that up? Well, of course, what should fill that up is...
1: What fills you
0: up. Is what you want to do. Is what you need to do. Is what, will, is what calls to you. And so that, you know, led to that. So And then anyway, some other tiny little funny little point that I mentioned to you on a walk the other day about her legacy is I did have a very interesting uh, thought process the other day about a new comic story that I am kind of working through the the basics of that has uh, a little tie back to uh, her life and the time that she spent here, especially um, the last day or so of her life. So we'll see where that goes. Not going to spend too much time on it right now, but an interesting further little legacy. So
1: so I'm sure we could talk about this for like 16 more hours, but I think probably... No.
0: The audience but, is like, oh, please stop.
1: <laughs> should we put a disclaimer in the front? You might need tissues for this one. Well, I don't think it's that sad. Well, I don't think we're that sad. Who knows we're not how sad, but... other people are going to feel about it. But I think... Uh, I'm going to go back on my soapbox here. I've been on this soapbox for 17 years. Why should I stop now, right? The thing, the message I want to leave all of our listeners with is to treasure your life, treasure your loved ones, honor this time that you have on this planet. And do something really special. Use your talents. Use your gifts. Follow your passion, your dream. Do it. Whether it's something you do as a career or something you do as a hobby or something you do just to make the world a little bit sunnier. Just do it. This world needs all of us to contribute what we are here to contribute. So if you know what it is, go do more of it. If you don't know what it is, go figure it out. But... Be kind to yourself, be kind to others. And if you do that, the more people that are doing that, the more I feel like Sydney's life was not for nothing. I know it wasn't for nothing, but the more people can take that inspiration and go and live their best possible life, the happier it makes me because then I know that her life has deep meaning and the ripple effect of her just continues to spread out to other people to make the world a better place
0: nice all right with that we'll wrap up we will put a disclaimer after that at the beginning of the episode and we will talk to you guys next time